The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead dive. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead dive. Hello everybody and welcome back to Everybody's Dead Dave, a Red Dwarf review podcast featuring uh, two reviewers, myself, Adam Martin, and myself, Phil Hawkins. Welcome, welcome. Welcome everyone to the show. If you're brand new, uh, welcome. Glad to have you here. Uh, If you are new, the premise of the show is uh, the two of us are going through every single Red Dwarf episode ever made, right from episode one. All the way up until the present. And uh, myself, I am a relatively new Red Dwarf fan. This is my first time going through the show. And Phil, your backstory is a little bit different to mine. Well, I've just been watching it for the last several decades. (laughs) (laughs) So two different perspectives. I've watched it several times through by now as well. Yeah. A seasoned... uh, Is is seasoned smeghead? That's not a rude thing to say, is it? seasoned smeghead. In the context of... Why not? I find this funny because, you know, that before we get into the episode, side tangent, the threat, obviously Smeghead in the show is like an insult, but fans call each other, but it's not seen as like an insulty thing. It's almost like a badge of honour. Yeah. So it's that weird, it's, yeah, it's a weird split, but I don't know what else you'd call a Red Dwarf fan, really. Um, yeah, but anyway, that's <laughs> there's your little side tangent. But we are on um, series four of the show, episode two, which is titled DNA. And this episode originally went out in the February of 1991, so over 30 years ago now, which is mad. And the synopsis in brief is a mysterious derelict spacecraft containing extremely advanced technology, perhaps alien, docks with Red Dwarf. On board, they discover a DNA modifier, a genetic altering machine that can metamorphosize organic life. And when the boys from the dwarf get their hands on it, hilarity ensues. So so there you go. So, yeah, DNA. Um, Just to kick things off, I I agree with uh, Nathaniel, who was our guest last week. The scrolling title of the stuff, don't like it. It's just, it's very obnoxious. It's very, it's needlessly in your face. It's, I don't know. For some reason, season threes was also quite in your face and it was the same font the same text yeah you you just didn't scroll and for some reason that's much better i don't don't know what it is about the scroll the scroll just really ticks me off a little bit and i'm like you don't need it you don't need to scroll back especially when it's not like half the time they're not doing it over like a static shot they're doing it i don't know i can't remember this time but definitely last week they did it whilst characters are talking and it's just like you don't you don't need it like don't do that but yeah, um, so we have, um, um, excuse me, we have uh, the guys in the like main hub, is it the engineering room, something like that, the main computer room. Control like, room, con- something control like that. Room. It's, ba- it's basically the room with a TARDIS yeah. console in the middle of it. <laughs> it's the TARDIS console in the middle of it. It does, it, it has a TARDIS yeah. console in the middle of it. It has Absolutely. an octagonal control well, console in the middle of it. The BBC it, had to get some use out of that console. prop. They have to get some use out of it. Um, And they're tracking, they've tracked a ship. There's a ship in space and they're trying to track it. And, um, but then of course it, it, well, the feed goes dead because Cat wants to plug in his hairdryer. (laughs) Um, But what did you think of this whole opening setup then? It was good. You know, straight away in there, it created a feeling of like tension and, oh my, what's going on? What are they tracking? It was like, they were, they were deadly serious, like, you know, Crichton, both Crichton Lister, who is very rarely serious, yeah, and Rimmer yeah. were all deadly serious, like working as a team, like they were a proper crew, which you never yeah. see, really. Um, so I, immediately I was, you know, what's going on? What's going on? And then it is quite brilliantly undercut by Cat coming in and plugging in his hairdryer. So I think yeah. that both of those things worked quite well together. It got me really interested in what was going on and then completely undercut it, which worked brilliantly too. Yeah, no, I, I agree that the the contrast of Cat with the seriousness of what they're doing was good. Uh, I hate to beat the old drum, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it, Phil. I do. Th- uh, he knows what's coming. I do think though it was played a maybe a little, not too much, but a little bit too long for my liking. Anyway, um, I like the. I say I like the. I like the contrast. I like the setup. I just think after the initial gag with the hairdryer, because there's there's he does it. Was it? He does a little bit again before he's like, "Oh right, I'll use gel." In my opinion, I don't think that was needed. I thought the joke had sold itself by that point. But um, 
Yeah, yeah did you not mind okay. it as much? Yeah, or? no, well, I know, I, I think I might agree with you this time. Uh, it was, I think that second time when they had done the joke of the power cutting out and the power had come back on and then mm. and then the power starts flickering yeah. again because he's using the power. Maybe that was a little bit too long. Yeah, it was just that bit though. The actual, like you said, the actual joke, the setup, the undercutting of the serious stuff. I like that. That was good. And Danny John Jewel sells it as always. Um, but when the power does come back on, they do dock with this random ship. And what I loved is Rimmer turns into a bit of a conspiracy theorist that, you know, the classic, oh, the, what does he say? Oh, maybe they'll return Glenn Miller. Because <laughs> yeah. he just, and it, it just, it made me chuckle because I remember that being. I mean, it still is. But you know, like when social media first, like, I guess, boomed and everyone, you know, you saw loads of people being like, oh, like what, um, Adolf Hitler's not dead or, you know, insert well-known person. They're not dead. They're in an under- underground bunker with Elvis Presley and Marilyn Monroe and they're all having a great time. And I don't know, even though this was made like obviously nearly 30 years ago, it just reminded me of that. I don't know about you. And it really made, and it made sense. I feel Rimmer definitely would be one of those like Facebook conspiracy theorists. Yeah. And he's got a thing for aliens, Rimmer. He's oh, God, like he throughout several aliens. episodes when something happens, he's like, it's got to be aliens. Aliens. Yeah. Aliens. Um, and so it makes sense that he would have a whole raft of conspiracy feeling uh, theories about aliens yeah. already. I- I just love in this one, he just says it so deadpan, because I feel in the earlier series when he says aliens, he, as you say, he makes like a really big deal out of it, like it's this celebratory thing. This one, Chris Barry is just like, aliens. <laughs> he's just, he's sussed it, he's got it. And uh, he, Chris Barry does that, I mean, we've said it before, but I just feel he does that dry delivery so, so well. Probably, in my opinion, the best out of the, the lead cast, he does the dry stuff really well. And he ne- it never is aliens, either. It, it, ne- no, never is not aliens. so, not so. Well, is, is, no, is this... So far. Yeah. So, <laughs> so far, yeah, we'll see. We've still got a long way to go. Maybe spoilers. there'll be aliens. <laughs> Potential spoilers. Do you um, want there to be aliens? I mean, I, I, I'm open to it because I feel Red Dwarf would do it in the very Red Dwarf way that, they, you know, like we've said before, they might be a, a little pathetic, but not in a horrible way, in that very knowing way, you know, they might be... I can imagine Rimmer building up, you know, like these grand aliens and then they're just, I don't know, like like they were last week, like a blob. Just yeah, a standard blob but that's, that's or, what or they've done like so that. far. They've they've kind of subverted, like everything hasn't been an alien, but has been alien-like. Like the blob last week was yeah. a human-created, genetically engineered thing. And yeah. there, there's been androids. And then in this episode, there's something they create themselves. Uh, so it's like every time they come, they they do introduce alien-like creatures. Even the the polymorph that was a human-created genetic experiment. So it's always been linking back to human in humanity in some way. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just thinking on it, like with the blob last week and the polymorph, and what we do come to in this week's episode, which we'll get to. I don't know whether it was intentional, but the whole flavor now that I'm thinking of it just reminds me of like a '50s sci-fi B movie. In the best way, you know, like the the different kinds of mon- like you had the, there was a film called The Blob, and you had like the I don't know the creature with a thousand eyes or the creature from the the I was going to say the Pit. Then that's a different franchise, um, but you know what I mean. That sort of monster of the week sort of thing, and I, I don't know. I kind of I kind of like it. I kind of like the fact because it feels like they're paying homage without leaning too far into the cliche. Yeah, there were quite a few homages within this episode, actually. There was a, you mm. know, you got the alien homage again, which they kind yeah. of reference back to. In fact, they even reference back to Polymorph at one point. They do. Re- it, while they referencing should... Alien as well. And, and I think it was a line from Aliens that they said, I think. Yeah. Um, so as that one had a very alien vibe. And then there's, I mean, we'll get to the Robocop moment later on. But, uh... <laughs> oh, ro- yeah, for anyone who maybe is like me and watching this for the first time, you're like, what's the Robocop moment? You should probably watch it. Um, so they board the ship and they uh, they split up. And uh, Never it... split up, people. Ne- do, do, do people Rule not number rim- one. Like, never yeah. split up. And, I, you know, Rimmer, ha- Rimmer I thought he was going to make that point. You never split up because of what happens. But he, it was just because he didn't want to go with Cat. <laughs> Yeah, uh, describing Cat with all those adjectives that basically describe Rimmer as well, which I thought was quite funny. And what I found interesting was, because I can't remember everywhere, but he said, like, oh, why would I go with a, like, narcissistic, egotistical, self-centered? And in my head, I was like, that's you. 
that's you, that's you. And I thought, oh, one of the other characters, maybe like Lister or that, is going to come out and say, you know, like, Rimmer, that's you. But they never do. Yeah, I, kinda, I was yeah. expecting that too. And I don't know if that's a missed opportunity or if it was just too obvious anyway, so they went a different route. Yeah. I don't know. Because it, no, yeah. it was kind of obvious. But then again, yeah, that's what I would have said to him. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I kind of liked it because obviously I was like laughing to myself because that's what I thought. And even though I expected them to address it, I kind of liked the fact they just sort of an example where in my opinion, they let the, the joke had happened maybe for us and they moved on rather than labor on it. Because, you know, maybe if David said, oh, Rimmer, that's you. Rimmer gone, no, that's not me. And then you would have had a whole back. And I don't know, maybe that's why. But yeah, just very interesting. And uh, Lister and Cat end up in a in a room where they find a bit of tech, and Cat starts. While they're still exploring, I've got to, I've got to point exploring. out one which one moment which um, I can't. I think this happened before they got the the other two got mm. to the room. But mm. um, Crichton and Rimmer, when they're exploring, mm. uh, Rimmer being his usual cowardly self, oh, yes. initially <laughs> wants to uh, be at the back so that. Crichton can detect him for the front. And when Crichton points out, oh, actually, it's usually the people at the back that get picked off first. He's like, oh, can I somehow go in the middle? And then they do this hilarious, like, (laughs) dance around each other as they move down the corridor, constantly revolving who's in front, which which was a contender for my funniest moment. It doesn't win it, but it was a contender. No, that was good because, again, they make very good points. It is either, well, it is the person on the front or the back, either or. And, yeah, the little shuffle they do. It's things like that where, I guess, just in terms of an acting perspective, you know, it's inherently silly. And if those two didn't give it as much as they do, it wouldn't have worked. Like, if they'd have just awkwardly shuffled. Do you know what I mean? The, the fact they sort of made it really over the top really sells the joke. So, yeah, that was a cracking moment. And, um Yes, we find this. We find this chamber that Lister and Cat are in, and Cat uh, again another major all broken. Starts pressing everything, uh, which is a surefire way to end up in trouble. And uh, Lister gets encapsulated in a beautiful early nineties bright pink uh, force field, which is you know very nice, very nice, nice touch. Um, and then metamorphosizes into a chicken. I like the bit that... where you know he. he... Cat has been pressing buttons and this beam has come down. And then uh, it, Lister is like, stop pressing buttons. And, he, and Cat's just like, no, no, I can fix this. And he's like, Lister's, go get Crichton. <laughs> go get <Yeah>. Crichton. <laughs> he's like, no, I can do this. I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, go get Crichton. And then he turns it into a chicken. I got a good idea. Why don't I go and get Crichton? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, to be honest, uh, the chicken was the last thing I expected because when, as soon as you heard the announcer go like, oh, metamorphosis incoming or whatever, because this is Red Dwarf, I was expecting something like really outrageous, I guess. And well, yeah, and funny. we had already been primed for that because they had found a body which mm, had the which they, they could sense was human. They could find out from the DNA that it was human, but it that it it had two heads it had multiple arms it had very like more eyes than it should have so i was kind of expecting them to go like oh my god they're going to create turn lister into some hideous monster yeah and they turn no, him into a chicken and they turn him into a chicken <laughs> very which again off. undercutting your sort of expectations there and sort of subverting what what you kind of expect and the the tension of it that kind of works especially yeah, in a show like I, this yeah, I did like the moment itself. It's just I say the the chick. It was the last thing I was expecting. I was I was thinking all sorts of different wacky things, and then, and then it was a chicken. But like you say, it's a good it's a good undercut. And um, when the other two arrive and they discover what's happened, you know, much to I think Rimmer's dismay, they think, yeah, we should probably we should probably fix him. Um, in the process, uh, Crichton uh, gets caught in the beam and becomes human. I'm a and real boy. I'm a the I'm a real boy mo. And the first note that I wrote, and I don't know why I doubted it, because because I'm new to this, folks. I don't. This sounds so bad. I don't know what Robert Llewellyn looks like. <laughs> I, I like I have. I only know him as. I've never seen a picture of him without the makeup. So when he appeared, I actually wrote. I wait. I put wait. Is 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 this is this Robert Le? But then after now, about five seconds of him talking, I was like, yeah, that, that's your memory Llewellyn, is so. failing you here because you have seen Robert Llewellyn have before, I? and we've talked about it in an episode. Did because we? there was oh, the episode where the replacement android is being sent, 
and the pic and the the message that comes through. Oh, he's the, is yes. him. And and we talked about it being him. But he hasn't he got he looks slightly because uh, the person in this episode looks slightly different from even I don't know. I'll have to go back and check. It out was that clip because... I mean he in that video he had a British accent. He had his natural, probably natural British yeah. accent, whereas here he continues having the Canadian accent, obviously, because yeah. he's still Brighton, whereas that was him playing somewhere else. Oh, but well, you're you right. did, you did right. know like, what uh, Robert my, Llewellyn looked like. My memory is absolutely fake. Honestly, well, that was a gut reaction there. I must have forgotten that moment because I wrote, is this Robert Llewellyn? Um, well, I guess that just goes to show, though, it's so rare to see him out of the Crichton makeup in this show that it, at this point, for me at least, it's still a wow moment that I'm like, wow, okay, it's... It's Robert Llewellyn. And, um, Are you familiar yeah. with older Robert Llewellyn or what older Robert Llewellyn looks like from his various TV presenting uh, gigs? No, I'm not. Okay. No. Well, I, less I will, hair. I will... Much less hair. Much <laughs> no. less hair. Okay. I did like his hair in this. Very, very cool. Very cool hair. Hair I'd aspire to myself. Um, and so they return to Red Dwarf and, and Crichton uh, enjoys this new... Um, humanoid form i suppose and there's this lovely little moment with um with holly as lister goes in like and he, you know he says oh how how's he doing physically he's fine he's got the body of a perfectly normal 30 year old human male apparently <laughs> like a little look or a little so and i just wrote like hattie's really like nailing the holly role in terms of i mean she broke free from it in series three halfway through i think we said but it now really does feel like this is her take on the character rather than yeah. her delivering Norman. Because, of course, Norman Lovett probably wouldn't have said a line like that or his Holly wouldn't have said a line like that. Um, and it's just those little things that really make me smile and go, yeah, this this now feels like your Holly. This isn't you doing Norman Lovett's Holly, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I really, I really like that little moment. Yeah, definitely agree. And then he starts listing off some complaints as well about things not working <laughs> properly because he, yes. um, which they, they, there was a whole, this whole scene is hilarious. And yes. there's so much good yeah. stuff in this scene. But yeah. it starts off with him like, my nipples don't work. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You got, what is it? You got the nipples, you got the, the zoom. The zoom, yeah, because the nipples has... is because uh, he expects nipples to one of them should uh, regulate temperature and one of them should tune the radio. Apparently, absolutely, which is what oh, the, oh his God, nipples yeah. do. Yeah, don't try that at home, folks. That you'll you'll only cause yourself disappointment and pain. Probably, <laughs> um, you had the whole recharging. Yeah, however, gag. Mu- as, as he says, however much he tries to tweak his nipples, that <laughs> he can't pick up whatever radio station. Jazz it is, FM, he Jazz he FM, loves Jazz FM. Yeah, I, I loved as well. It's like what else. He says, like, oh, what else don't human uh, eyes or something feature? And one of the things he said was Quantel. And I was like, that is a that is a deep cut because Quantel, if I'm not mistaken, is a very old piece of effect software from the 1980s that the BBC... You, so ju- you, you might know this and then some audience members. You know in Doctor Who, in The Trial of a Time Lord... In the mm. mind warp section on Thoros Beta, you have the pink sky and uh, the blue, or yeah. the pink sea, sorry, or whatever it is when they arrive. That I think is Quantel. It's like an effects overlay system. Oh. Well, that's what I know the name from. And it makes sense yeah. in that, you know, Crichton's a, he expects mechanoid features. Maybe Quantel is one of them. And I was like, wow, that is a very, that is a, if that's want- what it is, that's a very deep reference yeah i wonder if it's like an an easter egg for those in the know like those that might work in tv or in whatever. the industry but yeah in the yeah. industry but you know most they didn't maybe they didn't expect most people to pick up on that one most people would just go What's yeah i mean full disclosure is i'm i'm a i mean i mean we both are we're massive nerds so of course i was like ah quantel yes i know what that is but no, I just... I, I yeah, am also I, a massive geek, but I had no idea what Quantel was. <laughs> I think if I haven't, you know, if I hadn't read all those Doctor Who history books, I would have been like, what's Quantel? But yeah, it just, it stuck out to me. I was like, I know that word from somewhere. So I'm pretty sure it's some old effects software. Yeah. And you have the recharging gag, which is funny, all to be topped off by <laughs> the penis gag. Um, funny. And, and oh, like, I'm going to I'm going to say, I'm declaring it now. This was the funniest moment in the episode. <laughs> No, yeah, my, yeah. I, I'm just yeah, doing it now. I, we're, we're talking about it now. No, Won't save it for the end. Let's. <laughs> this is the funniest moment in the episode. 
And what's funny is, you know, when he first says it, when he's like, I'd like to talk, because uh, he's like, oh, you know, I'd like to talk to you about some things, but I'm not sure. And, you know, it's like, oh, come on, I'm a, I'm a 23rd century guy, you know, I'm open minded, let's do it. Oh, incidentally, <laughs> 23rd century, I think that's the first time I was going to ask you about We've this, had cause... like an actual reference to the dates they're from, when they're from. Yeah. Obviously, they're not still in the 23rd century because he slept no. for three million years. So 23rd century plus three million. But that's when yeah. they, you know, when the ship set out, when the crew died yeah. and everything. Because um, I, I wasn't sure because he said it and I was like, we have we heard? And I thought, no, I don't think we have heard that before. Or maybe it's been alluded to. I'm not sure. But yeah, that was interesting. But then when he says, I'd like to talk to you about my penis and Craig Charles reaction. I'm still not sure because, I mean, Craig Charles is a funny guy. But his re- immediately I know like Crichton plays are like, oh, it's that smirk or, you know, like childish reaction. I wonder if that was Craig Charles ever so slightly corpsing, you know, like as Could actors do. I don't know what it is. It's just it worked, the, way he, the way he looked. He looked as if it, do you know what I mean? You know, you can see actors like break their focus. I don't know. It just seemed like one of those. And you say it worked. It's one of the few times where if he had done it, it would have absolutely worked. Because I guess as well, you know, they're filming in front of a live studio audience and, you know, maybe he's clocking them and he's like, oh God, I've got <laughs> so... But no, you're right. This this whole sequence uh, was definitely the funniest sequence. My my funniest moment, actually, it's a bit different from what we normally do. And I think I'll save that to the end. But this, in terms of just like scenes, yeah, it's the funniest scene in the episode because of how the two play it and how uh, Robert Llewellyn's expression, his face, he has such an expressive face. Like, yeah, he honestly, like, I mean, you know, actors do it all the time, but I just think... Well, it, because obviously he must be so used to doing it under all the Crichton makeup, but when you just see his natural, it might you know it's very Jim Carrey, you know the whole how the way his eyebrows move and he can contort his mouth and his eyes and his face like that was those were some of the funniest moments of this whole gag for me, just his reactions to what Lister's saying. I'm curious. Go for it. This whole scene and how long this all this penis stuff went on for. Was it too long for you, Adam? Uh, that, that could take two. I that could have two leaves there. Was I this, can't believe you was, said that. <laughs> was, the, was the penis section too long for you, uh, Adam? This is the this is the most after dark episode we've ever done, um, or so far, anyway. Um, do you know what, Phil? No, it wasn't too long for me because part again back to though, uh, Robert partly well both of them how they played it, but Robert Llewellyn's expressions kept it going for me. Uh, there were just all these little things. I'm a big fan of like physical ex- expression within actors, especially in comedy. It's not useful all the time, but considering you know Crichton in this stage is play- playing the innocent, you know he thinks this is a normal conversation, and we're in the eyes of Lister, who find this really funny and really childish. Um, but you know Robert, he's like raising his eyebrows at things. He's like, cont- yeah. So he, he, if he wasn't as expressive, I would have absolutely been like, yeah, this has gone on for far too long, but. And yeah. it made me laugh even more when they got the two Polaroids out and stacked oh, yeah. them on top of each other. And it just, it just keeps going. It it's, just it's great. It's, going. It's, it's just because I thought when the initial joke happened, when he said, oh, you know, I want to talk to you about my penis um, mm. and, and the look on Dose's, I thought, oh, OK, that's the bit that's going to get me. It's going to go on for a little bit longer. But that's mm. that's the main laugh I'm getting out of this, just because of that expression and the way he said it and everything. But then every time something else, like another bit happened, I laughed even more than the last time. So yeah. you had, you know, him saying, I want to know, is that normal? What, taking photographs of it and showing it to your mates? <laughs> no, it's not. And then the bit where he shows the pol- double Polaroids, as you said, <laughs> and why do you suppose that happened? <laughs> Obviously referring to him getting an erection. You get the idea, listeners. And then he explains that he's looking through like a tech catalogue or something. And And isn't it over a vacuum cleaner or something? uh, uh, Of course it's over. Yeah, blow or suck. Ha ha ha. You know, (laughs) it's all very... It's all that. That's the that's the fascinating thing about this gag, though. As as I think as Crichton says, you know, when you break it down, it is very childish. But the way it's played out is very funny. No vacuum cleaner should give a human being a double Polaroid. It could have easily, if it hadn't been handled as well, I feel it could have easily been very, like, cringeworthy, depending on how they'd gone about it. But, no, they absolutely sell it. One thing I will say, though, I I would count this as separate because the whole, the main thing about the penis gag's finished, I think. It's before the scene changes when Crichton tells two jokes, uh, one about how many... yeah. 
And I, I don't know, well, I don't know why they were there because they, they are just sort of two random jokes for the sake of it, it seems. They're, they're not really connected to... Because Disney literally say, oh, how about a joke? And it's like, okay, where, where's this come from? And I noticed usually this, the studio audience always have a murmur. There wasn't even really a murmur at those two jokes. And I was yeah. like, hmm. Yeah, they, so I, I just don't know they why didn't they didn't work there, for me either. Really. They were just um, yeah. a bit oddly placed. and Yeah, maybe elsewhere thing. in the episode. But after that, I mean, after the, the funniest part of the episode, it just seemed a bit, you know, did we need more? Did we need two random jokes? Like, I don't know. It just, yeah, very out of place. Very out of place. Um, but the, uh, moving on, we do get a scene where Crichton uh, enters, I'm saying like a, what, like a storage room of sorts, I suppose, where we see three different Crichton heads, his spare heads. Um, and he has a little chat with them about him being a human and them not being too keen on it and i mean the the yorkshire head got me at being a yorkshireman myself just he was oh yes and you know props to robert llewellyn for doing a very a very stereotypical yorkshire oh be you know be off with you and all that it was yeah it was because of a defective um voice chip or something there was a line in there that explained it because we we are defective of course but no no it was it was very funny it was oh yeah he says oh i ain't got the voice chip or something but yeah what did you think of that whole yeah, uh, the spare heads scene. are things that will come back. Uh, they're going to be... Oh, I'm not okay. sure if it's the same spare heads, but there are going to be more spare heads. I don't think that's too much of a spoiler, to be honest. No, that's fair, um, that's fair But, yeah, no, that was um, that was interesting. Yeah, I like that. And it kind of also tied in, you know, the conversation they were having about uh, kind of, uh, you know, you shouldn't have done that. You should have, you know, you left us behind and all that sort of stuff. And where, that also ties back... I think it was earlier when mm. he's having a conversation with Lister about whether or not they turn him back or not, and he doesn't want to be turned back. And Lister's yes. like, you've got to be true to who you are. And I, I wanted to get your take on that. I think, because there's there's multiple ways to read that, I think. Um, and mm. I wasn't quite sure if they were trying to say anything. It could be, I mean, it could be a commentary on sort of things like plastic surgery. And I think that's probably the most likely of, of given the time it was created. Considering the era, yeah. Considering yeah. the era. But I think these days it kind of feels, it felt a little bit icky, the kind of conversation they were having. Yeah, because that, because I say that phrase, I guess, true to who you are, like nowadays you can interpret that as, well, as whatever you feel most comfortable with. You know, you might be, I guess just as, as the analogy, you know, if you're, if you are, uh, Bought, I suppose, born a male, but you feel your truest self is is identifying as a woman. That you know, that's fair enough. But, but in as you say, in the context of yeah, this episode, considering was, you know, he's saying that to Crichton, being I think like, it oh, was one of the spare know. heads or uh, that said like something along the lines of born a mechanoid, die a mechanoid, or something yeah, like that. And it's and it, it given yeah, it just felt. I mean, I'm obviously this is the 1980s. I have a feeling that they were going for more of a kind of commentary on plastic surgery. Yes, you know, I'd agree with cos- that. You know, yeah. cosmetic plastic surgery for, you know, just, I don't know, make yourself look nicer or whatever. And and that's its own debate, whether or not uh, thing. But yeah, it just kind of felt a little bit like it, a bit icky at the moment. Yeah, I, th- I think it, it's it sadly suffers as one of those, the whole, you know, older programs whose messages or meanings are vague enough you know, they don't, as you say, they don't specifically state it's about plastic surgery, but it's vague enough that in a modern context, it could be interpreted as a very different, uh, more negative connotation, I suppose. Um, so I guess the keep it, as you say, keeping an eye of what era this is in, because I mean, 1991, that was, I mean, like, you know, my I, people like Michael Jackson, you know, and he had all the tabloids of he's having too much surgery and I, loads of other Hollywood stars, I'm sure around that time were having loads of stuff i think that's when botox really became a thing as well the early 90s i want to say all that sort of stuff Um, i mean it's not like and and that sort of commentary is still around now people commenting on whether people trying to still look younger than they are and things um yeah you know with the recent i mean i noticed it flare up again with the recent friends reunion that people all over online were commenting on work that they might have had done their friends um right okay yeah. yeah, no, I think I think my take on it is like, you know, it's it's a message that can be interpreted, as we say, in many different ways. But I guess just remember when this was made and 
yeah, I just think that's important in this case. You know, I don't think they're. I, I, I don't agree, think yeah. they were. Yeah, I don't think they were out to attack any specific group of people back in 1991. But I can understand why people might feel that way now, uh, watching it. So yeah, it's just it's just one of those that have been a bit battered by history, shall we say? Yeah, I um, mean, if you if anybody watching this has a has a perspective on that that oh, we don't please, have, yeah. you know, have uh, then please do let us know in the comments on YouTube and stuff. We'd love to hear your opinions on it. If you you know Absolutely. if you feel if you feel that you know re- reflects you or re- comments on on your own situation then let us know what you think about it in the comments below absolutely um another thing i'd be curious to get your perspective on as well is um i don't think this is uh, it didn't feel as icky but i just found it interesting I, I think it's the scene before the storage room actually or maybe just after actually no it's just after sorry get my scenes mixed up is when it's lister and Crichton are having a chat and uh, Lister talks about, I can't remember exactly bar? what it was. Is it yeah, the, the class traitor thing. Yeah, the class traitor thing, yeah. where he said he went into a wine bar once. Yeah, now he's like, the class traitor gag, I, I did laugh. I was like, that's funny. Because, you know, they're obviously, even now there are parallels. You know, oh, you drink wine instead of beer? Oh, you must be, you know, very upper class or whatever. You know, as the joke, you know, that's that's the gag. The more expensive you drink, the higher class you are. Um, and most of the things he said were, were, I guess, linking to that stereotype, you know, like the whole, oh, I'll be playing squash with a guy called Gerald or this, that and the other. But it was when he was like, oh, I'll be getting married instead of going out with people. I was like, um, I was like, yeah, well, that was a bit. I odd. don't know. I did, I did bit... like I was kind of on with the joke and then I was like, oh, but that's a different thing. That's like that's not a class thing. <laughs> yeah, because I, I thought working class so... people get married, working class people. Yeah. Because to me, I don't know, maybe I read too deep into it, but it, that read to me as like, okay, so working class people, according to this episode, uh, don't get married. They just go out with people and essentially, I guess, sleep around as as a as a byproduct of it, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. As I say, it wasn't as icky as the whole true to yourself. Yeah, thing, I wouldn't say it was just, icky. It was just kind it of... It was just um, an odd one. It was just yeah, very odd. It kind of, it, that kind of threw me out of the joke a little bit because, I, because it was like, I was kind of, I was on board with it as a joke. Uh, you know, wine bar and stuff. It has, you know, it could, it is stereotypes. Yeah. So it's yeah. not meant to be like true to reality. In reality, yeah. there's nothing wrong with being, you know, working class person who goes into a wine bar or Absolutely. enjoys wine instead of beer or whatever. Um, but I was Absolutely. kind of on board with it. And, and it was mostly seen to be aimed sort of punching up rather than down, which is always what you should do with comedy. Um, uh, yeah, but just that that weird bit about the the marriage bit was like, yeah. oh, that doesn't seem to fit with the rest of the the list that you're re- just reeling off. Yeah, just odd. Um, and one scene I have forgot to, or at least mentioned. So my my memory's clearly all over today. Sorry, Robert Llewellyn. I clearly can't remember what you look like. Um, but there's an earlier scene where it's everyone bar Crichton in the dorm, if you like, and Lister tells them the story about when he he saw the squirrel. And how, mm. you know, the whole, for a moment, he would have traded places and all that. Do you really believe him on that? Uh, yeah, I didn't I, really. I, I, I'm not sure. I don't know, because the way, the way it was written sounded like, you know, he's talking about... Because I think it's also in that point, obviously, before the events of the end of the episode, you know, Crichton wants to stay um, human, and Lister's trying to talk him out of it. But then he starts having his own doubts, you know, oh, well, maybe I'd be happier being something else you know and and the way they that squirrel story is told is is told quite well there are a little bit of laughs in there but he you know he tells it very seriously you know that it's not overplayed or anything like that and i don't know i just i I always thought lister seemed quite comfortable in himself because this this memory is also before the events of you know the opening episode where everyone dies if he was talking about he had this moment Pre, you know, when he's the last human, I'd get it maybe a bit more. But considering it's, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just didn't believe it as much. What, I don't, I don't know. know. I think during that whole scene, I was mostly focused elsewhere on the fact that they had completely retconned his history of Kachansky. Oh, have they done that again? <laughs> because if you in this, I think it's as he goes into that story about the squirrel because he's talking about just after he'd been dumped by Kachansky. Oh, yes. But yeah. up until this point, he'd never even gone out with Kachansky. Like, every other time, it was that <laughs> Kachansky was, when she's been referenced, has been a person that he fancies and is kind yeah. of infatuated with. 
but has barely gotten the courage to talk to. Yeah. And now it's this is the first time it's retconned that he actually dated her. Uh, yeah, I mean, so that's that. I mean, I was just like, oh, so I wasn't <laughs> oh, paying attention to the happened. squirrel stuff because yeah. I was like, oh, they've retconned. This is where they retcon <laughs> Kachansky to be his ex. I mean, with the with the nicest will in the world, I think we've established that the, the red dwarf creators don't really care that much about continuity. <laughs> like, no, in they some don't. Respects, you there know, was a so. I, I, one of the I always peruse the um, trivia section on IMDb, which you know take with a pinch of salt. I don't know how true it is. Anybody, as uh, Nathaniel pointed out last week, anybody can in, uh, edit these. Um, but. Uh, Apparently, both Doug Naylor, the writer, one of the writers, and Craig mm. Charles um, had explained that uh, it just didn't make it didn't make sense to them for his infatuation with Kachansky to be as deep as it was if he sure. barely knew her. Yeah, and, and they felt it was unrealistic. I would say unrealistic and a little <laughs> bit stalkery. <laughs> unrealistic in in Red Dwarf, no way. So. Well, true, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. But oh, also mean, a little you know, bit stalkery. If... But at least that now he's. Um, infatuation with her is a little bit more understandable and not uh not creepy as creepy yeah no, yeah we don't no ick no ick please we, we don't want that in our in our red dwarf but oh well there you go i mean you you obviously haven't seen it before you've got more of an idea of the overall continuity but i guess that just shows like we've seen yes, before there is how, how uh, yeah exactly <laughs> how willing that they just they just change things on a dime but I think, you know, as we've also said, this is one show where it can get away with it somewhat, given the nature yeah, of it. Yeah, we'll let it off. Yeah, we'll let it slide. Um, but after that conversation with uh, with Crichton, um, Crichton does decide he wants to be a mechanoid again. And so they go back to the ship, but they got to do a test run first. You know, can't go, got, you know, safety first. Um, so they decide to test it on um, Lister's Curry, is Vindaloo. Um to turn it, they want to turn it into a chicken vindaloo. Is that what they say? From yeah. a from, from a, a mutton lamb, vindaloo. That's yeah, it. yeah, mutton vindaloo to a to a yeah chicken. And through the the powers of BBC special effects, it becomes the mutton vindaloo beast. It does. Um, I, I, can I just point out here though that why why was the not alien but you know the the other ship's computer voice coming out of Holly's mouth. Yeah, they don't that really. Was odd. Yeah, they don't really explain because Holly wasn't there the first time, was she? No. Like, when it all happened, no. So yeah. is it implying like has she like plugged into the interface? I don't know because they say that she's. They they're saying, "Oh, Holly, you you can get this right." So it implies that she's the one. Maybe control. And, yeah, but Maybe it is, I it's something. A, I think that they do say a lot because they blame Holly for the Vindaloo beast. Um. And then when, well, later when Lister transforms again, um, she says, oh, I'm getting better or something like that. But yeah, the whole, the the other computer, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit weird. It's a little bit weird. Um, but the Mutton Vindaloo beast is on the loose. It's the, it's the finest BBC money can buy. And um, it, 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 well, we basically get what feels like a rehash of Polymorph for the next few minutes. Which they reference. Clearly which they, they knew. Which they know. They know They exactly. know this. <laughs> Yeah, uh, down to the guns and being chased around the, which probably the BBC warehouse or whatever it is, you know, it's uh, yeah. all very and it's apparently been, a, what, what did they say? It's been a year to the day since something like that, since... Um... He, he said like a, a year last Easter Sunday, and I double-checked to see if that was when Polymorph first went out, but it didn't. Polymorph went out in November or December of 1989. So it's Easter Sunday for them, but I, I did think, I was like, oh, is that a... Is that a nice little reference to transmission dates? But I, I don't think it is. But hey, no, there was a reference to another film though. Uh, who the Smeg? Who who can the same Smeg happen? No, I'm getting this mixed up. I'll just put the line in. <laughs> That's what I'll do in the editing. Oh, okay. Who can the Smeg happen to the same guy twice? Is that's somebody hasn't written this Some, right? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, but that's basic. That's a reference to Die Hard Two. That's a line from oh, Die Hard. Basically, okay. add Smeg in and, and that's that uh, take away Smeg and that's a line from Die Hard 2. That must be very... Yeah, because Die Hard 2 must have come out around that time, I think. I know the first one 1990. was 1980. Oh, there you go. Year before. So very, very topical reference of its time. Um, that was weird because I haven't seen Die Hard. I've only ever seen the first Die Hard, which is, I think, very good. Um, 
And yeah, the way he was said it, you know, when they like doing a reference, you can tell it's very much a movie reference line because they, they do that action voice, you know, like how can this happen to the, the same guy twice? So I was like, this is definitely a reference, but I whew, straight over my head. But there you go. Die Hard 2. I'll have to give that give that a watch. And um, they try and solve it the same way as Polymorph with, with their <coughs> guns, which uh, don't work. <laughs> but then Lister has a plan. He goes back to the computer room and asks Holly to make him superhuman or man plus. And I, I like that. Man plus. That's quite cool. And um doesn't quite go that well, does it? Robocop. Mini Robocop. Robocop. But it's so blatantly a ripoff. How did the BBC get away with that? that I don't costume. know. It does look like they've almost used the same costume and just like... like battered half of it in to make it slightly different doesn't it it's uh i mean a very much I mean, cheaper version of the same oh, costume <laughs> but but i mean we we as creators have talked about before the the infamous copyright system on youtube and fair use how on earth did the bbc get away with that back in the day i mean i, I would say they would have paid for the like just in case but maybe they're on a limited budget so maybe they thought oh well just this is just enough Chance it. this is just enough of a tran- transformation um, yeah, maybe if they painted it black, any other color than silver, like it just it, yeah, very Robocop and a high pitched voice now because he's he's a little bit smaller, little teeny um, one, little, little teeny, teeny one, little teeny and um, I must admit, you know, I looked at the time code, I was like, there's two minutes to go, he's tiny, the guns don't work, how the hell are they gonna? As we often say, I was like, this is gonna be one of those quick endings. It's just it's gonna happen, and sure enough. Um, Lister tips over a can of lager, which the Vindaloo beast steps in, and of course, as we all know, lager is Vindaloo's one big weakness, and the monster explodes in dramatic fashion. I've never had a Vindaloo. Have you ever had a Vindaloo? I think I've tried a little bit because my uh, well, in our family, we have a mixed love of spice. My dad loves spicy food; like he can hack anything, like including Vindaloo. And I think he got me to try it when I was younger to my. Uh, my disgust i don't mind i'm a very like mild spice you know what i mean i can handle a bit of spice but i can't i can't do i'm a lamb sander man myself so pure Uh, pure weak not barely spicy at all i'm about the tikka masala so yeah not not that spice but there's a little little kick tiny little tiny little kick in there um but no, from what I've heard, you know, Vindaloo's are very nice, from what I've heard, so that's that's good. See, I can't um, hear the word Vindaloo without hearing that this, football song from the 90s. From Fat Les. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Fat Les. And, and at the time we're recording, the Euros are on, so I'm sure it'll be on the radio. Oh, yes. Three Lions. So, because, um, you know, it's coming home after all, as, as we say it is every football tournament there right, is. God, you win one game and everybody goes mad. <laughs> it's coming home, it's coming home. Um... Yeah, and um, and and sure enough, like I said, that that is it. The monster explodes. Cat gives a little quip. I can't remember what it is. It's something about him being short or something. And uh, and that's it. <laughs> that's the episode. The we episode. don't see how Lister transforms back. Anything like that. It's like nope. That's your lot. Um, what, but what do you think? Before we give like the overall summary and favorites and stuff, what did you think of that whole ending? Like the last few minutes of it. I liked it. Sometimes the really abrupt endings don't work. But sometimes they do, and I think this one worked quite well. It was, you know, a nice gag to end on. The lager thing. I like that gag. It was a good gag. Yeah. It was a good gag. Yeah. No, it's yeah. neat. It's neat, yeah. I, 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 part of me feels like I did enjoy it, but for me, even though they referenced it, it was so much of like a polymorph rehash that part of me was like, for me at least, it wasn't really offering anything too new i suppose obviously you have like you know the lister being the i'm just gonna call him mini robocop you know and all that sort of stuff but in in terms like the actual sequence of events it was virtually almost the same um which is fine it's not bad um but yeah i don't know part of me was like this it's too much of a rehash for me to i guess really get into it as much as i could have let's put it that way yeah um yeah i don't know but um and yeah, as it that's it. And I still hate the end credit font. I don't know why they changed it. It looks awful. Um yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say that every single week until it until it changes again. Well we're a third of the way through series uh four now, so you yep. you never know. Next series might change. So you've only got another four <sighs> episodes of this font to I, potentially I, get through. I hope so, Phil. I hope so. It's just it's so nineteen ninety one that it hurts. So not a good kind of nineteen ninety one either. Um, so yeah, that's a that good is... kind of 1991. 
what's a good kind? Oh, like, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, um, yes. That, that's right, a right. good kind of 1991. I'll just leave it at that. Sonic Hedgehog, there you go. Happy 30th birthday, Sonic. Side note, by the way. There you go. And now I feel old. Um, <laughs> so, you don't get to say that around me. <laughs> uh, I, knew, I, I said it and I was like, he's going to say he's going to say that. <laughs> um, so that is DNA in a nutshell. Um, so, Phil, in our, in our list of regular th- uh, features that we do, who is your favorite character in this? I'm going to do it again. This is the third week running. I've got to give it to Crichton. Oh, the hat trick. The hat trick. Of course, the hat trick. He's just so good in this. <laughs> and it's just like you said earlier, it's the facial expressions. Yeah. It's just like he's just so engaging to watch. He's so funny. That that scene as well, that, that whole penis <laughs> scene is just. Yeah. yeah, he was really good. It really showed off his abilities and his acting range. And everything, Absolutely. his timing and everything as well. Comic timing was great. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I'm going to give it to Crichton again. Again. Well, you know what? I'm going to join you. Hat trick for Crichton. Absolutely. I mean, with a performance like that, how how can you not? How can you how not? Could you not? It just, you know, up until we gave him, up until the end, the very last episode of last series, he hadn't been our favorite character at all because no. he'd been so in the background and now mm. he's had three episodes in a row, which are say, pretty much the trot. which yeah. are pretty much just Crichton episodes. There's he's the main focus of three episodes on a row. Yeah, I wonder. Well, will, will it last for a fourth week? I mean, <laughs> I mean, well, we'll find out next week, I suppose. But it might, it might. It might who knows? Do. Who knows? Um, and and well, we've addressed, I guess, the funniest moment. But just to reiterate, it's the it's the penis scene, oh, isn't it? Yeah. You said Obviously. absolutely. See, for me, that is my favourite moment. Well, my favourite scene. But I wrote my favourite moment, and this might sound odd, but it my favourite moment really specifically is Robert Llewellyn in that scene. Um, yeah. Again, like we said, the expressions, the way he delivers lines. If he... Ah, uh, honestly, I, I, I want to see him now in more stuff, like where he's not in the Crichton makeup, because I think he's such an interesting actor and a funny actor to watch without all that stuff. Um, he very much could have been, it reminded me again, I've mentioned it a few times on the show, but he definitely could have been the actor who played Max Headroom back in the 80s. Because Max Headroom was very expressive, and I feel Robert Llewellyn could have done that as well, if he'd have wanted to. Um, so yeah, he's just the shining star for me. This Just Robert Llewellyn, absolute props to him. And uh, what about overall ratings, Phil? What do you give this one? I, oh, I, I'm, hmm... I've written down eight out of ten. Okay, okay. So I'm. I'll stick with that. Just, yeah, just I think a solid eight. Yeah. Solid eight out of ten. I probably would have like there are bits of it that are higher than that, and it, well, no, there's not bits of it in the height. I yeah, maybe it averages out at eight out of ten. That one that okay. the the scene definitely elevated it. There were some scenes which were a bit weaker, uh, yeah. but overall, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it eight out of ten. Okay, that's solid. Pretty solid score. That's good. Um, I'm actually going to go one step lower and give it a seven, you know. Um, yeah, which is one of my lower ones for a while. Um, it did have to focus on the positives first, I guess. Yeah, it did have some great... The scene, of course, was great. I think um, if it and, hadn't been for that scene, it probably would have been a seven. But that, oh, set, okay. that, is, that scene... That had that a whole point that. of its own. whole point, yeah. of it, just by itself. He's, That's impressive. A whole point just for Crichton's yeah. penis. <laughs> just for... <laughs> God. <laughs> Thank God, we th- we've said things we never thought we'd say on this podcast. Um, <laughs> this but, one's, uh, I'm definitely going to have to mark this as not oh, suitable for kids on, uh, on YouTube. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah th- th- there are some really great, anything with Robert Llewellyn in, as I said, great. Um, there's some really funny moments. There's some, uh, I just think where it loses points me, some of the jokes, as I've as we've mentioned, don't land. The two random ones Crichton gets at the end of that whole gag. Uh the cat thing at the beginning, I said, being a bit too long. Just some of the moments not really landing for me. Like in some of the longer scenes, like when you like the whole Lister doing the squirrel thing. I know that was mainly a bit more serious, but that whole scene, I didn't, I don't remember really laughing that much. Or do you know what I mean? Like you usually remember scenes where you're laughing a lot, and they just seem to be less laughs for me in this one. Um, and and again, where it loses points for me is. The whole last few minutes, whilst it is fun, I, I feel the fact it is very much reminding me of Polymorph and not really, I don't know, I just, uh, it's losing points to me on that. I just feel Polymorph had a fresher impact. But it was only the last so. sort of five minutes. It was, though, wasn't it? It, it, it was only the last five minutes, but 
Yeah, I'm still. I'm gonna stick with my seven. I'm gonna stick with my seven. That that when Fair I finished when the credits rolled, that was my gut instinct. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. Yeah. So yeah. Well, there we go. A seven and an eight. So not bad scores. I don't think we haven't gone below five ever, have we? Or have we? No, five was our lowest. For for was it for, mm. from me or you? I'm not sure what Ooh. Billy gave it. We'll have to go dig into. I can't our, remember what Billy gave it. But, um but I think oh, was it that episode? That episode yeah. got the lowest scores. Body all swap. Round. Body swap. But yeah. I can't remember what Billy gave it. I think I gave it a five. Oh, didn't he say like at first a three, and then we were like, "Oh, a three and he was like, "Oh no, I've got to make it high," and we were like, "No, it's okay, it's fine." But yeah, that was oh yeah, body. I'm just yeah, body body swap. That was an episode. Um, but yeah, but as as we've mentioned before, apparently when we get further down, apparently series seven and eight, apparently there's some. There's some ones in there, so I'm told. But hey, we've got a long way to go before we get there. But that's it for We're this episode. We're almost halfway there, though. We are. We are. To, almost to, that, like, to that point. Which is crazy. Halfway through the original eight series. That's mad. God. <laughs> well, we'll plough on next week. You can join us for um, Series 4, Episode 3, where we'll be doing our, our usual review there. And uh, yeah, thank you for joining us this time. But um Phil, where can the good people find you and indeed this podcast? The best place to uh, find me is my YouTube channel, which is just Philip Hawkins. I was going to say, is it Phil or Philip? But it is Philip. <laughs> it is Philip Hawkins. Um, and it's a picture of me in terms of, front of some Tardis Randalls at the moment. Oh, yes. It's my avatar. So I talk about Doctor Who a lot. That's why. But I also talk <laughs> about other geeky pop culture, uh, the mm-hmm. MCU and uh, and all sorts of other things. I've gone blank on the other things now. Star Trek. <laughs> talk about Star Trek quite Ooh, a lot. Star Trek. Various, yeah. various other geeky pop culture. Anything that takes my fancy, really. Got videos. Uh, not just reviews, all sorts of videos on there about those. And uh, you can find this very show's own Twitter account at mm. uh, All Dead Dave Dead. Pod. That's the one. All dead Dave Pod because everybody's dead Dave is taken. It was. Uh, which is uh, well, no, it wasn't. Shame, no, no, it wasn't taken. Oh, wasn't it? It exceeds the character oh, limit the... of Twitter. All about the limits, aren't they? Twitter character limits, tweet limits. It's not good. It's not helpful, guys. But yeah, all dead Dave Pod. Go and follow us there. And um, yeah, if you want to check out any of my work, it's just Adam Martin on YouTube with a Y. Uh, I also talk about Doctor Who as well as some other things. Uh, follow me on Twitter as well, Adam Martin AMTV for my daily ramblings. And yeah, that's about it. Well, with that said, then uh, this has been fun as always, and we've enjoyed having you here. Let us know your comments as well. Please let us know your thoughts on the pod. Uh, if you're listening on YouTube, we love your feedback, love your opinions. Hit that and like button, subscribe. Hit that like share, button, subscribe to Phil. All that jazz. Do do it all. Just do it all. Everything. Do it all and everything. And. Until the next one, we'll catch you in the next episode. See ya. See you later.